Okay, welcome to To The Rink Podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Today we have a great interview. Uh, we have Marin Hickox, who is the VP of uh, Girls and Women's Hockey at Hockey Canada. It was a wonderful conversation we had with Marin. What do you think, Puff? It was it couldn't be more timely as far as women's hockey. Uh, it's at, it's never been in a better place. Uh, very exciting times of the launch of the PWHL, and yeah. uh, it's a changing environment she's working in because yeah. Hockey Canada used to sort of have total control over the women's game right. in the country, and now with okay. uh, with this new professional league, it's going to be yeah. interesting how that all plays out, and she'll be a big yeah. part of it. Well, yeah, uh, having known Marin for a long time, I know they're under great leadership there, so that, that'll be really great. But I had a question for you before we got into the interview that I, because it's timely, we're in the holiday season, mm-hmm. and you know, with the the girls' national hockey team, but a junior team, and then the or yeah, and the girl or the men's junior hockey team that the yeah. tournament that's about to start. I had a question for you that I wanted a little clarity on before. Okay, so. I know that there was tryouts and they just like announced the team, but then there's prelim games now. And it feels like Mm -hmm. that all happened in a 24 hour period. So what my question is, is are there people trying out for that team, you know, kids trying out and they're just sitting there and they're like, you're on the team and you're off to Sweden. Like right now, is that how that works? Well, so the way they do it is they, uh, in the normal cycle, I mean, there's been a bit of a difference with COVID and stuff and tournaments popping up in the summer, but usually it's a normal thing is there's a summer evaluation camp. That okay. they invite, uh, I'm not sure the exact number, but say 40, 40, 50 players right. get invited to that camp. And then they have the pre-tournament training camp that usually right. takes place in about, you know, early to early-ish to middle of December. Okay. And that's another invite only. And sometimes people who, players who aren't invited to the summer one, but are having great years, get they get invited to the one. And obviously that some kids don't. Um, but right. you know, there's, there's, if there's returning players, they're usually kind of going to make the team Yeah. and there's, um, usually a few kids that you're like, okay, he's going to yeah. make it, but there's a lot of players that are on the bubble and a lot of decisions yeah. are made in that short period of time. Right. And uh, from a stress level, I think guys who I know that have been through it, it's some of the most stressful days of their life because it's, you know, it's, you, it's not like you have multiple opportunities at this and maybe only one or two shots to make this team. And it's such a big deal for young players in the country. So, um, and you know, you're competing against every one of these kids is one of the best players on their team. And it's probably been one of the best players on their team their whole life. And this sometimes might be the first time these guys have ever not made a team. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy experience for them. And then especially when it's over in Europe, yeah. You, you go through this whole thing and then all of a sudden it's like you're on a plane and you're in Europe maybe for the first time in your life. So yeah. it's a it's a pretty whirlwind experience. Well, someone uh, speaking as someone who didn't make any teams uh, yes. and uh, totally <laughs> absorbing failure, uh, you know, <laughs> I hope they'll navigate it through great. But, you know, the joke, you know, joking aside, you know, I think it's uh, would be incredible to be someone then just like you're off to Sweden right now and then you go. And then, you know, there's lots of moments of stress through that for sure as you're leading. Into oh, yeah. that. But what an exciting time for them. But anyway, um, let's jump into it. Uh, let's jump back to our interview today. Like I said, we have Marin Hickox, who is the VP of Girls and Women's Hockey from Hockey Canada. Great interview with her. Let's head over to that interview right now. Okay, today we have a guest who's basically the Wayne Gretzky of empowering women and girls in hockey. Picture this, a hockey puck has a fairy godmother. This would be our guest. She defines the word sport, but in all honesty, she comes by it naturally because it's in her blood. She'll even tell you that. So her path gives her experience that expands the MLSE, NHL, and now is the vice president of women and girls hockey at Hockey Canada. 
please welcome to the pod from Port Credit, Ontario, Marin Hickox. Welcome, Marin. Thank you. Wow. That was like some intro. Holy smokes. I'll be honest. Puffy does these great intros for our guests. And I've been, and I was like, I need to show up with a really good intro. So I actually did spend some time on it. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Then, like, awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. So, Marin, tell us a bit about uh, where you got your passion from hockey and sports in general. It's a loaded question, and I know we don't have uh, that much time. Um, you said it in the in the intro. Uh, sports definitely has been something in my DNA. Um, I am the product of a three-time, two-time Olympian. Um, my dad, you know, was in uh, canoe kayak. Um, there's just my sister and I, and we were always, um, part of sports has just been our lifestyle. So we grew up, you know, it was need to learn how to swim, need to learn how to skate, need to learn how to ski, you know, all of the basics, um, you know, growing up in Canada and it was just an active life was just always something that we had a part of, uh, truly as a kid growing up, I took it for granted, didn't realize that, you know, kids didn't always have an opportunity to, uh, participate in sport. Uh, it was something that I was truly very fortunate about. Um, sports all through high school, um, field hockey, skiing, soccer, canoe, kayak, like you name it. It was something that I just wanted to get involved in. And it really did, you know, teach me some incredible lifelong skills when it came to the time to, uh, university and, you know, sort of choosing the next path. I wasn't, uh, going to be a next Olympian. Um, sure. I was a good athlete, but I was certainly not in that top echelon, Um, and I just knew that I really liked sports. I liked events just generally. Um, and I was like, if I have to get paid to do something for my career, um, let's just look at it. Uh, 1996, the Atlanta games were kind of like the big start of sponsorship. Um, you know, we saw, and you know, that's me aging myself again, but you know, 1996 was a dramatic, like you saw the Cokes everywhere and you saw, you know, the Panasonics and everything. And I was like, man, you could work for actually brands and get into sponsorship inside of things. So uh, I just sort of started tinkering around. And I was like, if I'm not going to go to the Olympics uh, as an athlete, maybe I can go to the Olympics, you know, behind the scenes. And thus just sort of started on a trajectory into into sports business side. Cool. Very cool. Uh, As the VP of Women and Girls Hockey, can you share with everyone what is your mandate and what does success look like? Wow. That's, these are like two questions off the hop that are just completely <laughs> like loaded. I love it. Coming in hot. Uh, just like, just get into it. Um, yeah. So new role. Uh, I joined Hockey Canada in May of 2022. Um, brand new role with um, women and girls uh, focus as well as safe sport. Um, I liked this opportunity. I'd never worked in an NSO before. I think Grant, you had said, you know, I'd worked for profit um, with, MLSE and with the NHL, uh, coming over to an NSO was something totally different. So I'm going to take you back for a minute. Why would I join an NSO? Um, and my mandate, it was a blueprint that I could just create. And so I liked that I was getting into a job that I was allowed the keys to just develop it. Uh, we knew that it's an exciting time in women's in sports, uh, just broadly, um, basketball, soccer, hockey, you know, just to name a few. And I thought we've had incredible success in Canada with our women's hockey team. But uh, when we started to look at even what has happening at the grassroots level, the exact same um, emphasis and um, I think just focus hadn't been there like it had been in high performance. 
Um, so when I, when I took the job, I just said, listen, uh, you're going to have to give me the keys and I really want to start talking. And so for the first six months, it was a complete listening tour. I wanted to understand what's happening in Gander, Newfoundland. I wanted to know what's happening in Victoria, BC, all the way to Ontario, where we have an incredibly rich history of the Ontario Women's Hockey Association. Um, NSOs uh, really are the national governing body, but we don't directly impact uh, kids and development. It's the likes of the local hockey associations. And so for me, my mandate is to expand the opportunities for all kids across Canada Um, I want to expand the entire hockey ecosystem. So taking a look at getting more uh, women leadership in coaching, officiating, uh, bench management, um, but really just to take a true look at the structure of hockey and make sure that we are um, meeting the needs of girls because you are all, you know, uh, fathers of boys, uh, as am I, uh, mother of boys, but it's uh, boys and girls are just dramatically different. And just because something is, you know, set up in a way, it might not have been created um, with a girl's uh, needs in mind. Right on. That's a really good answer. Actually, like knocks out one of the further questions we had about what was some of your vision for growth and development for later. But you you answered that really well. So (laughs) because you've had such a successful career that has taken you on this path, you know, and now you get to look back and now you said you dated yourself a bit with some dates there. If you could go back and tell your younger self, you know, some advice as you were embarking on this sports career, what would that you know, advice you would tell younger Marin you know, about what's coming and what to prepare for? Um, I've been asked this before and I would say it still changes because if I could get back into 18 year old Marin, I would say uh, really trust your gut. Uh, when I would get into um, any type of competition, whether it was, you know, field hockey or out of regatta and whatnot, certainly there were nerves, but I just had a fire that was within me that I was like, it's, I'm going to go through that wall. And there were some things that have happened when I, you know, came into a boardroom. And I don't want to say because I've entered into a male dominated, you know, industry, right. but I think uh, that was something you know, that was certainly true, uh, working in sports and working in sport business, um, really just to trust my gut, um, to know that I have the skills and the confidence, um, and I can do it. And I think like going back and not second guessing myself as much, oddly, those are still things that I want to tell my 45 year old self, you know, just continue to like, trust your gut, um, you know, do the work, um, and the results will come. And oddly, that's kind of like what happens with you tell athletes, like do the work. I know you've talked to Cheryl, you know, and I'm sure Cheryl would have said the same thing. Like if you stay motivated, you put in the practice, you do the right things, you know, the results will naturally come. So I think, um, yeah, trust, trust myself and know that, that, uh, that I'm, I'm in the place that I'm supposed to be. Yeah, that's great advice. The uh, I always say to people I work with, you know, luck favors hard work too. So you know, that's uh, exactly that's what I think. Saying, well done. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's a very exciting time in the women's game uh, with just over a week in the launch of the PWHL. Uh, what role or change do you think the new uh, the new league will have in hockey culture? Guys, I love these questions. Honestly. Um, <laughs> So the, the PWHL is, is like, it's, it's a pinch me moment. Um, it's been a long time coming and, you know, 
For me, it represents where we are in the world. Um, we are no longer, it's no longer an afterthought. You know, there was times when I was getting into business where it was like, do you bet on women's sports? Do you invest in it? The ROI is not there. You know, um, Puffy, you work in broadcast. You know, it's like, what is the, you know, can we get it on television? Are yeah. people going to come? The guesswork is gone because right. society has shown up and says that, yes, we're ready for it. And, you know, there's companies that are backing it. Certainly broadcast media is, is backing it. And I think just us as a whole, it's no longer like I'm not going to go and buy a ticket. You know, I want to go and I'm, I'm, I'm there. Um, for me and, you know, in my job, uh, I could sit back right now and I know that just the PWHL alone is going to get girls to pick up a stick and want to join their local club. Um, I truly believe in the see it, be it. Um, it was something that, you know, I got to meet Jana Hefford a long, long time ago. Uh, she played hockey. My, my sister played hockey with her. And there were things that, you know, Cheryl, Jana, uh, Vicky Sanahara, you know, Haley Wickenheiser, there's people that they were just trailblazers, truly. Well, that same thing is happening now. And now there's a platform for them to stay. And it's going to be sustainable. I truly, truly believe that it's not going to be us sitting here you know, a year from now or even five years from now, we're going to be looking at expansion. We're not going to be looking at um, it folding. And there's been many leagues before that have uh, have taken on the task and truly laid the foundation for where we are now. Um, but they didn't have that financial backing. And I think, you know, as we've said, we see it in soccer with Project 8. Um, you know, in, in Canada, we are seeing it with the WMB, WNBA. And and Toronto and Canada are ready, you know, and yeah. there's been moments in time with hosting, you know, a, a preseason game and then hosting, um, you know, and seeing in soccer with Christine Sinclair. Like, it's not hockey. It's just generally uh, the world is ready for this. So yeah. uh, it's it's super, super exciting. And um, I mean, I bought my tickets like I'm ready to go January 1, you know, in Toronto uh, as a fan, not even as yeah. like a Hockey Canada executive. Yeah. Right on. Well, I'm, I'm certainly excited for it too. And I mean, I, 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 when the announcements were coming out, I didn't even second guess it. I was, this is exciting. I thought it was really cool. And we talked about the, uh, we talked about it a couple of times over the last little bit in particular, looking forward to seeing how the jerseys evolve as well. Not only seeing how the game evolves there. Cause I think that's, there's some really great opportunities there with the brands of each of the team too. Yeah. And I think like, you know, that's an interesting, and I'm just going to like riff off of that for a minute. The, the jerseys are an interesting piece. They got yeah. a lot of heat. They, they got, got a lot of heat. We talked about heat, it. Like, yeah. You know, like right away. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'll give you like a little peek under the hood. Like the, I've, I've have experience in licensing and certainly, you know, these, these getting the right partner, getting the right manufacturer and getting the right, you know, product for the ice we're talking like it's two years out, you know, yeah. like these yeah. like winter classic and jerseys, they're not just like, oops, we're making it like, yeah. you know, the teams that are participating in a couple of weeks, um, you know, that, that creative uh, has been years in the making. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with the PWHL, you know, they could have waited and yeah. they could have just said like, let's just hold, uh, you know, there's been some speculation about what the teams were going to be and whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing. But, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a, let's just do a litmus test. Yeah. Um, I give them credit. Why would you wait? Like yeah. get going, you know, yeah. and now we all know as a collector, like whatever comes out this year is going to be vintage, yeah. you know, it's like a bit yeah, of a sure. collector's item. Definitely. Right. Uh, you know, and let's see where, see what, what happens on the ice naturally. Um, yeah, sure. They would have loved to have had everything baked, but you know what? 
that the timing was right. And let's just get out, get out our. So it's, yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's an exciting time as, as we've talked about with the backing of, you know, with the PWHL coming out mm-hmm. and all the things that are happening, but, you know, mm-hmm. just looking the other way, what challenges do you see for the landscape of women's hockey and what strategies are you maybe trying to implement or thinking about uh, inside your organization around that? Yeah. So there's, there's going to be a couple ways that I'm going to answer this. So first from a national team perspective, uh, we were their one-stop shop. So we have 23 athletes that are carded national team athletes. Um, you know, the likes of Marie Philippe Plan, you know, and 23 others, 22 others. Uh, and then we have a next generation, um, group that's, you know, the next gen they're above our U18 group. Um, but we're talking like elite, you know, national team athletes. Yeah. So we were there, everything we were, where they came for training. We were there for their funding. We were there for their, uh, like physicians, uh, international competition. Um, now we're getting into a, a unique place where they're not under our jurisdiction 365 days of the year and they are professional athletes. And so, you know, it's, how does the role of the NSO, uh, right now we've got, you know, USA hockey, hockey, Canada, um, Czech team and uh, Swedish team that are represented in the PWHL. Um, they are going to be first and foremost, they're a professional athlete now that are going to then come back and put on the team Canada Jersey, much like, uh, their counterparts do sometimes in the NHL. Uh, we want to make sure that as hockey Canada, there's still a pride for them to come back, that they do want to continue to, you know, play for Canada, um, you know, in the international competition. Um, you know, so that's one thing that's from an elite standpoint, from another standpoint, um, you know, we, Canada has typically had, uh, has not cracked 90,000 participants in women and girls hockey. Um, that's been over the last 13 years. Um, you know, we, we have what's called a hockey Canada registry. I'm sure you have both as parents have had to like yeah. register within your, you know, your kids yeah. within their leagues. Um, as an NSO, we are ahead of the game in a lot of other, a lot of other uh, national sport organizations in that we right. do track data Um, And we know. So, uh, as I said, we haven't hit really over that 90,000 mark. We are doing that this year, which is a positive. Why I bring this up is there is an incredible amount of sanctioned hockey and unsanctioned hockey. And to not try and compliment or confuse, I should say, uh, everybody listening to the podcast, there are those programs that are insured underneath Hockey Canada. And then there are programs that, you know, maybe haven't um, been part of and fit into somebody's lifestyle where you start in September and you end in March, but you are going to participate in a program that is uh, a six week program. It's just run out of a Canlan arena um, and specific for women and girls. So uh, my mandate is trying to work within those organizations so that you might not be a traditional uh, girls hockey team or a girls program, but these unique um, unsanctioned, I'm going to say, because they're uninsured by Hockey Canada, mm-hmm. are still great programs and they're fitting a need. And right. so I would like to continue to explore, you know, how we open up the umbrella and how we see that those girls are still hockey players. They're still, you know, should be part right. of like the entire culture um, because I can certainly learn things from those programs. And I just think it, it can't just be a one size fits all anymore. We've got to really start to look at uh, Canada and the, changing demographics and just what everybody needs. You know, somebody might not be able to play sports for eight months in the year. It's just not realistic to everybody, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't still be afforded the opportunity. Well, that's great that hockey Canada is starting to think like that. Cause I think that's been a criticism for hockey Canada over the years is that, 
they're pretty rigid in what they want and they want it done a certain way. And yeah, so that's, that's a great sign that there's some, some uh, changes happening. Um, yeah, we've, I, I think hum, humble, no. humble approach is yep. uh, probably a nice thing. You know, certainly, uh, uh, that, you know, you asked at the beginning, like, you know, why join, what was the mandate, all those things. These were some of the, the conversations that I was having, you know, in the interview processes, you know, it hasn't necessarily been a focus, uh, before, but if, these are all things that we need to start to look at uh, if we are truly going to be evolving the game and, and fit the needs of specifically, um, you know, a, a girl's demographic. That's perfect. Um, so we know the importance of role models in sports is undeniable. Uh, who are some of the inspiring female figures in hockey that young players can look up to and how can their stories pos- positively impact the next generation? Wow, these are like amazing. So, um, you know, certainly I think it's it's important that girls have role models. I think as we start to evolve and, you know, as people have uh, certainly seen with Captain Canada, um, I've talked to her yeah. about her already. I think this is like girls, boys, you know, men, women, you know, everybody that's in there can see the uh, athleticism and the modesty that comes with, with Pooh. Um, she has, you know, certainly cemented herself as somebody that, you know, attracts all ages. Um, we have a lot of like young up and coming kids uh, that, you know, I say kids because they're under the age of 18 and I'm clearly not, um, you know, that are, are really starting to get into it. I really like to look at, you know, who are some of your coaches? Who are some of your female role models? You know, you've seen that, you know, a Jana Hefford talked about her already she's, you know, was a player. She was a player before there was a professional league. She just did it for the love of the game. Uh, and has now continued through color commentary and has started into, you know, now just a really undeniable, you know, desire to create, um, uh, you know, a professional league. Uh, I looked at Cassie Campbell, Pascal, who, you know, for myself was again, the first person to be color comp first female to be color commentator commentator and what you're seeing from all of these generations is that they did it for the love of the game then they continue to evolve but they're always giving back and so i don't look at one necessarily as to you know the role of our high performance athletes they there's like an unwritten rule in women's hockey that you you do it for those that came before you and you're doing it for those that have yet to arrive and it's like a really unique because money was not the issue. It was, or money was the issue. It was like, you're just doing it for the love of it. And so, uh, it's a difficult question just to say one out of a many, but, um, you know, certainly it's, it's, it's really everybody that has picked up a stick. Yeah. Right on. Um, so this podcast, as you know, it has a focus on the GTHL. Yeah. Um, so how does Hockey Canada collaborate with organizations like the GTHL to ensure a cohesive and supportive structure for female players in, the, in that uh, in that group? Yeah, really great question. Um, so as I said, you know, uh, from the hot, like you've got an NSO and then we report and work directly with uh, the PSOs, so provincial sport organizations and TSOs and territory sport organizations. And each of those provincial uh, members then has the relationships with the grassroots. So in this case, you know, it's the Ontario Hockey Federation that then has a connection to the Ontario Women's Hockey Association. The GTHL is one of them, the Alliance, the OMHA, plus, plus, plus. So Ontario is a really unique, and I'm giving a bit of an education lesson here, but it was something that I had to learn. Um, 
in every single province of our wonderful country, there is one provincial sport organization. In Ontario, uh, specifically in hockey, there are three. Okay. Uh, we have Hockey Northern Ontario, we have Hockey Eastern Ontario, and we have the Ontario Hockey Federation. We are uh, certainly the biggest, you know, of participants here in Ontario, uh, and it's just been the way that it's it's just operated. Um, women's hockey has typically fallen directly into the Ontario Women's Hockey Association. I'm sure everybody has heard the name Fran Ryder. Um, she has been around. She's a pioneer of the game. She's been around with Hazel McCallion back in the 70s and 80s. Um, frankly, she was still involved with the or running the Ontario Women's Hockey Association when my sister Randy was playing. And Randy is 43. And so, <laughs> you know, you can do the, the math. She's just been around for a really, really long time. Um, the Ontario Women's Hockey Association has been the place that Hockey Canada works directly with on women and girls programming. That does not mean that girls don't play in the G uh, and that they don't coach in the G um, or even officiate. But typically, and this is up until, you know, even like my, my coming in, all of girls hockey was directed to the Ontario Women's Hockey Association. We are starting to work um, a little bit more collaboratively uh, listening and learning so that my mandate again is to understand what kids need um, across the board. So there are a lot of parents and kids that say like, I'm going to go into the uh, boys hockey, which truly is actually co-ed hockey, right. go into that route mm -hmm. before they come, you know, into a girls only game. Um, so it's, that's a really long winded answer to say that, you know, typically we've gone to the OWHA, but again, we're starting to see, and I want to be uh, understanding and learning more from the kids that are playing in the G because they're having a similar experience than some of the kids that are playing in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, right. et cetera. Uh, there just hasn't had the, I'll be honest, like I think the, um, the person to start to initiate some of those conversations. Perfect. Um, looking ahead, what are the key milestones or aspirations that Hockey Canada has for the future of women's hockey and how can the broader hockey community contribute to achieving these goals? I love these questions. Uh, you know, in the immediacy, I, I need to break 100,000 participants. Right. Um, I'd love to be able to see that we've got, you know, 100,000 registered participants in girls, in girls hockey. Um, you know, I think we all can agree that there needs to be uh, some more education and uh, de-stigmatized that like girls hockey is somehow slower, somehow not as um, competitive, you know, than a typical, um, you know, a boys game. Um, we, I want to make sure that again, there, there, I don't need to say like, it's not a zero sum game. And I think that's a big thing that it, ice equity seems to be a big issue that comes up uh, quite, a, quite across the board. Um, there's a lot of grandfathering that comes in with hockey. It's like Joe Smith's team has been renting the same ice for right. 40 years. Therefore, Joe Smith mm -hmm. just seems to get it for the next 40 years. Well, that's not going to be able to grow the game for everybody. Um, that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that you have to take away from another team to give, you know, somebody the opportunity, but, you know, ice, it, ice, uh, equity and ice issue is something that is topical, but, right. you know, it seems to be a hockey centered uh, conversation. But I think if you asked kids that participate in ringette or kids that participate in speed skating or figure skating, they would also say that they're not getting, you know, uh, great yeah. ice. So the greater hockey community, I think, um, be open-minded, uh, recognize that it's in all of us 
to uh, give all kids a positive opportunity. Um, I think to be a little bit more receptive to kids and women that are getting into officiating and coaching. I think we all can check ourselves, you know, at times when the stands can get really passionate. Um, why does somebody not want to come back and officiate? Well, maybe because they were getting yelled at, um, you know, or there's a fear factor of coaches behind the bench, uh, you know, un unnerved um, that they don't know and they're going to be somehow criticized for their performance. Mm -hmm. um, I think just everybody needs to also recognize, like, it, sports should be like drinking water. Like, everybody just wants to have an opportunity to participate but therefore it should be fun. We don't have to be like so criti critical of, uh, you know, an eight-year-old's game or a nine-year-old's game or a 10-year-old, like come back to just having the fun of it. So um, I'd say also looking at, you know, hockey community needs to look at their, their municipalities and their provincial, you know, legislation and federal government. We need more facilities. Right, like, 100%. frankly, you know, we need to get more things out there. Um, that is something that Kathy... Uh, Henderson and I are starting to do. We're going to go to government. We're going to start to talk about that because that's that's sadly it's something that I, you know, in my role can't control because as I've just said, Joe Smith's hockey team just goes straight to the same guy at the rink, you know, right. at, uh, and and just gets the same ice. So we have to start looking at policies from a uh, federal, provincial, and regional level to start to even the playing field a little bit more. Right on. Great. Well, listen, we're coming to the end of the interview, Marin, and we really appreciate you coming on. But if you've listened to the pod before, or uh, we always ask our guests the same question at the end, which is, what is your favorite pump-up song? So when you're about to hit the ice, or even if you have a big presentation or something, you're putting something on to, to make you, uh, you know, get up and move, what is that song? Yeah, so in the true spirit of uh, girl power, um, I, you know, I I will be honest. I love I love a good Swifty. Um, you know, nice. she doesn't get me. Uh, she's she's Sean and I are right there on the stage. Oh yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah right. So uh, a Swifty, a Beyonce is in there, but uh, I got to go back to my uh, good old Canadian girl in Shania Twain. Uh, was lucky enough to see her in concert last summer, um, and our, our national team used uh, her song "Giddy Up" uh, in the world. Uh, so "Giddy Up" is definitely on the top on the on the playlist. Um, she's she's just gotta love Shania, uh, and you know, well, we might have we might have uh, we might have fallen to our evil enemy, the uh, the Americans in the in the World Championship uh, gold medal game. Uh, Shania just continued to to fire us all up. Right. She's like everyone's cool aunt is what I feel like. Yep. I, like Shania. Totally. I, I, someone said that to me once and I thought that landed right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gotta love yeah. like good old Thunder Bay. So yeah. yeah, she's a, she's a good old Canadian. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, Marin, really appreciate you taking time out to join us today on To The Ring. <laughs> Thanks for all you do and uh, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me guys. I can't wait to, to get you out to, uh, you know, a, a Team Canada event or a game, and Love certainly to. we'll see you at the rinks in the in. WHL. Uh, that'd yeah, be awesome. Sure. Yeah, sounds awesome. great. Right. Thanks, you guys. So much. Thanks, Marin. Okay, well, that was awesome. Shania Twain. Hey, who doesn't like to hear a little bit yeah. of uh, Shania? She's come back in a big way. Big time. Yeah. You know, so it, I could see the the, uh, the dressing room, boys and girls, firing up some Shania before and after a big game. Yeah, giddy up. We really want to thank Marin for making the time to join us. I think that was a great interview. She's fantastic. Uh, she shed, yeah, shed a ton of light on what's going on over there. And, you know, it sounds like it's in really good hands for the future of women's hockey, for sure. 
Well, it's it's big. I mean, I know Hockey Canada has come under a lot of uh, scrutiny uh, over the last few years, and deservedly right. so. But um, you can see there is some real change happening there, and in a positive way. And I think that um, you know it could only be better for players and coaches and officials and everyone dealing with hockey. Yeah. No, I really appreciate her coming on. So, Puff. You know, I think we're at the end of it, uh, end of the season. season. That is yeah. Christmas season. We're off. You got any big plans? I know you're coming over for dinner. That's it. Yeah, That's coming over for dinner. Yeah, no, I uh, we got some family stuff that we usually yeah. do traditional stuff up at Tanya's parents. Okay. Yeah, and then it's World Juniors for me. It's a busy time. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're always busy so, at this time. And so I'm working Swedish yeah. hours, so. So early mornings, good. but evenings off, so that's can't complain. Yeah, so, and it's a great uh, tournament. This year's tournament, now. yeah, this tournament's going to be unbelievable. Uh, the U.S. team, watch out, they're good. Okay, good. Well, everybody have a happy holiday, uh, you know, holiday season because I'm not too sure mm-hmm. when this will be released. Uh, happy New Year, we'll see you soon, Marin. Thanks so much for joining the pod, and please listen to us on Apple, on Spotify, uh, follow us on Instagram, or look us up on YouTube. Stuff we really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.